Welcome to episode 236 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we discuss the NRL coaching merry-go-round, the latest international squads, NRLW expansion, and much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 236 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I am your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you going this weekend or this week? Uh, I am doing well, Dr. T. How are you doing? Well, a little a little bit down if, you, if you've been following the uh, the good old NRL and the good old Parramatta yeah. Eels. Um, look, you, you can't what you can't mm. deny is that the Eels are entertaining and and wow, you know, entertaining can be both positive and negative if you're a fan. Mm. <laughs> so they're definitely a roller coaster of emotions if you're an Eels fan. And uh, everyone out there who's an Eels fan, they're not in in agreement. They know exactly what this is about. Um, yeah, but yeah. Look, uh, very odd weekend. Let's just say, uh, very look. Lots of talking points from that yeah. game, of course. But uh, let's not fo- let's not dwell on that because uh, yeah. you know maybe maybe I was a bit look uh, after after the shocking uh, you know Origin game one mm. uh, and, and the way New South Wales performed, I thought you know it couldn't get any worse. And sure enough, <laughs> the end of the long weekend. The, the Queen's birthday, the uh, the King Gutho couldn't do anything for the Queen's birthday. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, the Eels struggling. And look, there's so many other teams in the NRL that have uh, had, uh, you know, disappointing performances on the weekend. Lots more to talk about as well. The coaching mm. merry-go-round as well we're going to talk Absolutely, about. Absolutely, yeah. Tish, your team is in the firing line. Michael Maguire, I know we're going to talk yeah. about it later, but does this... Look, how, how's it been? Maguire given the boot? Yeah, he has. And we've already lost uh, one player already who he's walked out in the club, Luciano Lelua, right? Um, which, to be honest, he was the perfect player just by name for the West Tigers because, uh, you know, Lelua representing southwestern Sydney with the strong Pacific uh, Islander, uh, you know, heritage. And Luciano representing the inner west, um, that's right, the Italian. You know, that's right. He had the perfect name for the, but but he's he's uh gone to the Cowboys a little early. So um, you know, uh, has there ever been a spaghetti western with a character named Cowboy Luciano? <laughs> look, possibly, possibly. But look, you know, and representing the inner west, of course, he would be uh, would his nickname be Latte Latte Lu. <laughs> Luciano Latte. Uh, look, I don't know. Who knows? It's a spaghetti western, but it's uh, it's about it's about the uh, dueling, warring cafes 
mm. uh, and the mafia influence on cafes. So it, not so much a spaghetti western, but a uh, a latte western. Let's just say. Yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. That's right. With with a bit of coconut water to uh, for his Samoan heritage. <laughs> that's, that's, why not? <laughs> Why not? But yeah, look, uh, a lot to talk about uh, today, and uh, let's just dive into it, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. All right. All right. Tackle number one is our round 14 review. I'll quickly go through the scores, and then we'll give our talking points or highlights. So... Uh, the first game was the Cowboys, 31-12, to 12, doing it easily against uh, the hapless Dragons. Uh, the Rabbitohs, 30-16 to 16 over the Titans. The Storm, 26-18 to 18, uh, in a fairly tight one until the end uh, against the Roosters. Uh, the Broncos, 24-18 over the Raiders. Manly doing it easily, 30-4 to 4 against the Tigers. Penrith Panthers, 42-6, to 6, absolutely smashing the Newcastle Knights. Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, 38-16 over the New Zealand Warriors. And the upset of the season so far, the last place Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs, 34-4 against the Parramatta Eels on the Queen's birthday at uh, Stadium Australia or a core stadium or whatever they call it now, the Olympic Stadium in Sydney. Uh, Tish, look, I mean, I I mentioned it at the top, uh, the Eels... You know, it wasn't just so much that the the Bronc uh, the, the Bulldogs put it together. Uh, mm. It was more, I think, the fact that the Eels were just abysmal. <laughs> I mean, there's yeah. no, there's there's there were a few examples of that, but none better than uh, you know Mitchell Moses. Uh, you know, famous footage of Mitchell Moses strolling over under the the post. <laughs> Didn't see a Bulldogs player, I don't know who it was, coming over who knocked the ball out of his hands. You know, absolutely, you know, should should have almost been sent to jail for a king hit because it was that he didn't see it coming at all. Mm. But look, to me, it, what it shows is the lack of respect and lack of concentration that the Eels showed. And from, you know, one of the leaders of the team, Mitchell Moses, no less, uh, really, really disappointing as an Eels fan. The uh, the the forwards, uh, you know, maybe it's got something to do with the way that, uh, you know, there was a five-day break between State of Origin and this game. Maybe that's not an optimal length of time to have a break. I think maybe the soreness kind of sets in. But they were they were absolutely shocking. I mean, you, you would think, are these are, are these really our State of Origin representatives? They, they weren't really giving us the go forward. And uh, it was just, look, the Bulldogs, full credit to them. They did what they needed to do. But I think the Eels helped them quite a little bit uh, with their very poor performance. So to me, that's a talking point. Everyone's talking about the upset of the season. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm thinking more, uh, what does this mean for Brad Arthur? Because we there's no point beating the Storm and the Panthers if you continually can't beat the teams below you, uh, they did it with the Tigers. Uh, the Tigers' first win of the season was at the expense of the Eels. <laughs> you know, like it's either either the either the fix is on, mm. and we're trying to help the lower the lower teams get get up a little bit up the ladder, or um, 
they just need to really uh, get some discipline going there. So, yeah, that's my talking point. Uh, very disappointed. Uh, look, a lot of other games as well. I think the Panthers were yep. really polished. So that's a really positive sign mm. that they, they put it together. Um, Ponga, quite, uh, Kalen Ponga, I have no idea what he does when he puts on the Newcastle Knights jersey. He just seems to uh, – what's the opposite of grow a leg? <laughs> you know, he, he, he loses his leg. Loses a leg. Be- he just becomes shrinks he, a leg. He shrinks a he shrinks to you know a junior size because the you know, the performance was chalk and cheese compared to what he did uh, for Queensland. So mm. yeah, um, a lot a lot of good other performances as well. I think the other talking point, I guess, was uh, the Roosters and the Storm. Uh, yeah, a nice close match. I think the Roosters held their own a little bit there. Um, but yeah, uh, look, what about you, Tish? There's a lot, obviously a lot happening. What's your talking points or highlights of the round? Well, look, there was, there was lots of, uh, look, I'd say uh, apart from, uh, the Parramatta Bulldogs game, which I do want to touch on, I think every other game was sort of by the numbers, really. I mean, there was, um, you know, an exciting first half between Melbourne and Sydney, but then obviously Melbourne showed its class, but then, yeah, I do have to go give it to, you know, Queen. Victoria holiday football, you know, Queen Victoria long weekend, Queen Victoria's birthday, of course. Uh, we're celebrating the birthday of a monarch who's passed away, which is always quite interesting. Um, and I think um, I think the Parramatta Eels felt that they were on a long weekend because, you know, Dr. T, I kind of woke up late on uh, Monday, you know, knowing that I didn't have to go to work, was a bit groggy, and then turned on the football. And uh, I think Parramatta woke up the same way right like as if it was like a holiday for them so um and i'm i'm really concerned because i thought they'll go all the way this year i feel like their premiership window is going to close at the end of this year they're losing i believe they're losing reed money they're losing a few other players they're struggling to sign if a couple of players too um so i think it's i think it's going to be tougher next season than what it's going to be this season and um my issue is is that i, I need like for Parramatta to win the premiership um I believe they can do it because they can beat both the Storm and the Panthers, but they need to finish in the top four so that they don't need to p- play uh, a top four team three times in a row, three weeks in a row, because that's tough going back to back to back with a win to get to the, to win the grand final. Um, so they need to finish in the top four. And the problem is they're dropping too many easy games to too many teams that are below them. That's the issue, uh, and now they're sort of taking a hit because it. This wasn't just a loss; it was a drubbing. So they've actually put themselves behind by forty points to the Brisbane Broncos, who are in fourth. So they are a game behind. They're they're, they're coming sixth. They're a game behind and forty points for and against behind the Broncos, who are in fourth. So um, that's a bit of a climb um, because you don't see the Sharks. Uh, the Broncos or the Cowboys, which is the three teams above them, dropping too many games. Um, I don't think they. F- I don't think there's a much threat below them uh, with the Rabbitohs and the Roosters. They will improve, but I don't think they will improve to the level that they would do. But I, but I think for Parramatta, they they really need to um, stop this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, yo-yo. The uh, the yo-yo effect. Um, is it a Brad Arthur thing? I'm not sure. Um, uh, yeah, how do you? Yeah, <laughs> like, what wh- what is it like? You know, losing to to games that you should be winning uh, to b- wooden spoon teams. That's that's the issue, right? 
Well, yeah, actually, yeah. The, on both occasions this year, it's it's uh, the real shock has been there were wooden spoon teams. Um, the the Tigers ha- not having had a win, and the Bulldogs, you know, having had issues, and the coach just being sacked, and all these sort of things happening. So, it's it's almost like they 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 deliberately don't turn up for teams that are at their at the bottom of the barrel, really at mm. rock bottom. And yet, still, the eels can't uh, can't defeat them. I don't know. It's a it's a motivation thing. Uh, this is not an unusual thing in professional sports. You see this a lot with with certain teams where there's a mental kind of game being played there. And and maybe if anything, it sort of tells us a little bit about the mentality of the players. Maybe there's a bit of arrogance there and cockiness, and and. And they're just cruising until until a game that really matters to them, and then they put in the effort. Kind of way of approaching the game, you're being paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, and and lots of fans uh, are expecting you to perform, uh, and and it just shows a lot about your character when when you just don't do that for teams below you on the ladder, especially when you're expected to win. It could be the pressure of expectation. Perhaps mm. is something that gets to them. Maybe they thrive on being the the rank outsider with no hope at all. Maybe that's what they re- maybe maybe that's the thing. That's uh, although you know it doesn't seem to that doesn't seem to equate to performances in recent years when they've been uh, you know outside of the top four in the finals. Um, they they tend to they tend to not not have that kind of uh, us versus them mentality. They just kind of you know, in almost every every finals appearance in the last few years that I can remember, they've just petered out at the end rather than put up a fight, uh, with the exception of last year when they you were know, very close to defeating the eventual premiers, the Panthers. So, look, um, yeah, disappointing, but attention has also turned to the coach. I mean, uh, you know, Eels fans have been waiting for so long for a team that is worthy of a grand final win and... Uh, uh, they thought they had it, you know. We've defeated. We've got the wood on the storm. We've got the wood on the Panthers this year, and and yet we can't seem to put away the Cowboys, the Sharks, the Roosters, and you know who knows, bunch of other teams. And then obviously the teams coming last. So there's something really not right there mentally with the Eels. And I think, uh, yeah, there'll be a lot of soul searching. I think I don't know whether drastic actions are required just yet, but I think people are starting to get a bit fed up with uh, the uh, up and down. You know, they're yeah. literally they're literally putting into uh, into play snakes and ladders. <laughs> the eels being the snakes, you know, going <laughs> down, the, sliding down the ladder. Mm. <laughs> you know, uh, we just need a uh, we just need a ladder to get back up there. Uh, unfortunately, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty depressing times for the eels. But um, yeah, yeah, any any final words before we move on to round t- uh, tackle number two? Well, look, I would like up and down rather than down and down and down, which is where the Tigers <laughs> have been. And uh, well done to the Bulldogs. Uh, you know, they uh, they they actually scored the first time I think in two years they scored above thirty points, or the first time this season. <laughs> and um, you know, I think it might have been even their biggest win against Parramatta as well. So for like for like a number of years. So. Um, and let's not forget the other thing is, which is really crucial, is it's come at a time. Well, Josh Adokar, a hat trick. Uh, oh, yes, you know, you know it comes at a time where people are thinking, what changes are going to be made to the lineup for the Blues? And Josh Adokar puts his stamp uh, 
he just puts a reminder out there that he's he shouldn't be forgotten. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, he was great under the high ball as well. So, you know, we talk about Tupo, his uh, strength under the high ball. Um, Josh Adokar performed very well under the high ball as well on the, in that game. So, you know, a lot of food for thought for Brad Fittler. But, um, all right, let's – speaking of the Tigers – we're going to talk about the coaching situation. Actually, no, not yet. We'll do that later. First, yep. let's talk about one of the the centres. Actually, there's been some controversy with the Blues and uh, the international squads that have just been announced. Let's go to tackle number two. All right, so uh, the New South Wales Blues, two of the key players, Tupo and Katoni Staggs, have actually been named in the Tonga squad who will play in uh, against the Kiwis, the New Zealand Kiwis, on Saturday, June 25th. So um, a lot of food for thought there. If they are named in the Tonga squad, what does that mean for their Blues uh, appearance. Uh, I think they're still eligible, if I'm not mistaken, to play both for Origin and and another country, not Australia. But I, I look, ask me again in five minutes. The NRL probably has changed the rule on that one. But in my in my view, I think the the latest is that uh, it should be okay. So, they, but but still, that doesn't stop all the chatter online. But look, uh, this is about the international squads that have been announced. And I thought what we could do is go through some of the uh, some of the big names in the squads that have been announced. Tonga, New Zealand is the main one, but we've also, uh, the latest is we've heard Fiji, the Fiji Bati have also been, uh, or the extended squad has been announced. So I thought we could sort of take the time to not necessarily read all the players because it's going to take a, lot, a long time, but mm. I think uh, let's just focus on who are the key, uh, the, the key uh, people nominated uh, and see what that what that means for the uh, the, the games. Um, so look, let's start with the Tonga squad first. So Tish, some key names here from the Tonga squad that uh, obviously coached by Christian Wolf, um, and uh, so Daniel Tupo, as we said from the Roosters, has been <laughs> and New South Wales <laughs> and New South Wales has been sensationally <laughs> announced. Uh, Katoni Staggs as well has been announced from the Broncos. Mm. Um, who else we've got? Talakai uh, from the Sharks. That's right. Uh, CSC for Talakai from the Sharks. Uh, look, some of these are to be expected, of course. Jason Tamalolo mm. is there from the Cowboys. Tavita Pangai Jr., who performed very well on the weekend for the Bulldogs. Will Penasini for the Eels. Andrew Fafita, of course, from the Sharks. Joe Alfangawi from the West Tigers. Uh, have I missed any big names? Yeah. Adam Fanua Blake. Uh, who else? That is a big name. Takiaho um, from the Roosters. <laughs> take care, yeah. I think another one that could have been a chance for New South Wales, Kioi, Kioi Kalamatangi from the Rabbitohs. Uh, because, I mean, I had him in my Origin 1 squad. So, um, you know, and you could say that maybe part of the reason why New South Wales were not as good is because it was in the forwards. Like, I know they might have to make some changes. So, Kalama Tangi, he's got a decision to make. Tonga or New South Wales. <laughs> um, so, which would be interesting. Origin or, or international rugby. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, uh, I think, yeah, Fort Awaker as well. Um, I believe he played Origin last year, right? Um, uh, Pangai Jr., of course. 
Um, Andrew Fafita um, gets gets a, a look in as well. Uh, Ola Kawatu from the Eagles, you know, he's a really big player as well. So I think Tonga, they've got certainly the upfront muscle, as always. Um, where they're always a little bit vulnerable is when we start talking about halves and their spine. And, you know, so they do have a player up in uh, Wigan um, uh, who used to play for the Tigers. I know he's a fairly good half. Um, so I know that they probably have to wait to see whether the Super League will release him for this game as well. I just forgot his name for the moment, but but he's actually not been named. So, uh, yeah, so it's going to be interesting who's going to play halfback. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, these are, uh, these are all NRL-based, uh, you know, players anyway that have been announced. So I don't think they've announced any non-NRL players because yeah. I think it's – and this is another danger and problem and risk for International Rugby League is you have these uh, mid-season tests. Great idea. I'm sure it'll get a lot of interest ahead of the World Cup later this year. But, um, you know, no international window means that you're you're not really coordinated with the Northern Hemisphere players. So – uh, potentially not the full strength Tonka team, uh, but enough of uh, the the NRL players uh, who are doing very well at the moment. So, you know, an exceptionally strong squad. If you consider what uh, you know the the key players and and uh, the key names there. So, moving on to New Zealand. Um, so, New Zealand. Look, they've got. Well, the the key news here is that Sean Johnson has been overlooked. Completely. Yep. So that's a bit of a shock. And uh, if if Jerome Hughes is to be the halfback, then the question is who's going to be his 5'8"? And, uh, well, two players come to mind. Kieran Foran and Dylan Brown has been announced as well. Most likely, I think, Dylan Brown will be yes. Jerome Hughes, which will be very, very interesting. Uh, mm. you know, in addition to them, you've got Nelson Asafa Salomona. we got the, the Bromwich boys from the Storm. Uh, James Fisher Harris from uh, the Panthers. Uh, who else? Uh, Joseph Manu from the Roosters. Tamari Martin from the Broncos. Ronaldo Cristiano. No, not Cristiano. Ronaldo Mulitalo from the Sharks is yeah. there. Neil Corey from the Eels. Isaiah Papali from the Eels. Jordan Rapana. Uh, and finally, Dallin Watane Zelezniak from the Warriors. The only. Warriors representative, as far as I can tell. So that's got to be a first. Uh, a New Zealand Kiwis team with only one New Zealand Warriors player, that tells you how far the Warriors have fallen this year mm. in terms of uh, their talent and their playing squad. So, look, what do you think? The The Kiwis, pretty strong. I mean, I, I would say that it's uh, the Kiwis of the future with Dylan Brown there. Yeah, I think, look... Dylan Brown and Jerome Hughes, right? They're, you know, paramount. Like you got to say that Dylan Brown, arguably top, well, top three, five, eights, right? If you got Munster at number one and Luai at probably number two, um, you know, I think Brown's a contender for three, considering how bad the Rabbitohs are going with Dylan Walker at the moment, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So, and I'm trying to think of anybody else that could fit in that slot. Um, you know, Foran is kind of, yeah, I mean, he's kind of, uh, you know, kind of a, 
a player not of the future. <laughs> as nicely I can say that. So, so there you go. You've got a Harbs combination, which is good. And I've got to say, Tamari Martin has been a sensation for the Broncos at fullback at the moment. He's now coming up to more of a senior role as well. So I think that is going to be strong uh, from a fullback point of view. Probably the the probably the weak point is probably going to be the, the dummy half. Um, but then you know you you do have uh, you, you know I know Aaron Clark from the Titan uh, Titans is he's been quite good actually, um, but obviously not playing in a team that's sort of winning. Um, and then yeah, I mean you got some really good forwards, you got some really good outside backs. Um, you know you got a you got a pretty strong team, and uh, I think this year if they could hold a team like this up into the World Cup, New Zealand are definitely you know they've got the makings to beat and Australia to beat in England. And um, this game is going to be great because I think you could say the same thing about Tonga. Yeah, there are some deficiencies, but, you know, if they could get, uh, you know, 100% performance, you know, if they play all to their ability and all together cohesively, um, you know, pretty pretty hard to stop both of these teams. Um, there's going to be some huge... Car- I mean, Nelson... I suffer, you know, I suffer Solomona, Kilunga, Kioma, Tangani, Sise, Taka, Ahawai. Look, I just feel sorry for some of the commentators out there. <laughs> That's right. They'll just be calling them all Brandon Smith, Brandon Smith 1, Brandon Smith 2. <laughs> yeah, but some big hits, right? So, yeah. Yeah, and look, look, the thing that I am looking forward to is really – Look, New Zealand obviously have to turn the page from where they were in the last couple mm. of years. Uh, Tonga, I think, you know, unfortunately we didn't really capitalise on what they did in, I think it was 2019, because of the pandemic. Uh, it has really disrupted lots of uh, competitions and the international game. And I'm keen to see, you know, from when they defeated Australia... The world champions, Australia Kangaroos, back then in a one-off match, um, are they? Do they have what it takes to go to the next level and put on a repeat performance uh, and really show their dominance against the Kiwis who are just on their way up? Um, you know, if you look at the players in the Tonga squad, they they've got more experience now than they did back then. Mm. <laughs> so, if anything, they should be better. Um, except, you know, the question around positional play and, you know, who, who's the spine, how much experience do they have, that kind of thing. Uh, the, the rumor is that Katoni Staggs is going to be named at five eighths, which is very interesting. So, um, yeah. And if you look at the Kiwis as well, the other, the other factor is, uh, what was I going to say, forgot what I was going to say, but, um, yeah, look, the Kiwis, I, I think. The halves are really, it's really where it's at uh, for the Kiwis. Uh, Mm. What are they going to do? What's Brown going to do? I think, you know, he's he's the X factor, you know, more than anything. So I don't know what happens if you put him with Jerome Hughes, uh, what kind of uh, play, uh, you know, how structured they're going to be, who knows. But, yeah, looking forward to it. So that's going to be on June 25th, Saturday at Mount Smart Stadium in New Zealand. Which is very important because this is the first. It, well, there hasn't been an NRL game in over two years in New Zealand, um, so this is the first Test match in probably three years, right? Um, 
well, since since COVID, at least anyway, uh, in New Zealand, in Auckland. So I think it's very, very important. This is re- like a, what a way to restart rugby league in, in New Zealand with these two. And even though it's in Mount Smart, Auckland, there could be uh, – there's a huge Tongan population. You might even have, um, you know, a Tongan fans louder than the Kiwi fans. I think – Wow, uh, I'd love to go to this game. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, like, can you imagine? You'll be in a sea of red and a sea of black. Uh, mm. It would be uh, an amazing atmosphere. I reckon the Tongan uh, crowd will bring bring their A game in terms of uh, you know they're they're on a high from what happened in 2019, and and they're going to be looking to uh, uh, you know really you know put their mark on as you said the first real blockbuster test match since 2019. Uh, it's going to be amazing. So that's going to be great. And look, just uh, before we sort of wrap up this uh, tackle, there is, there's also some other games that are going to be played. Uh, and what's interesting is uh, I, I just want to turn our attention just to the one that's been announced, which is Fiji, uh, Fiji Bati, because uh, there's some absolute amazing stars that have been announced for this team, which kind of make you think, look, don't write off the Fiji team because um, here are some players that we know or maybe some people don't remember that they're Fijian. Uh, William Kikau from the Penrith Panthers, who I would argue, Tish, is probably, uh, you know, one of the form, the most informed players in the world at the moment. Yeah. Uh, he Second is just, rower. Number one second rower, right? I would say so, yeah. Without mm. without even uh, any sense of irony or or hesitation, he is, uh, you know, he is part of the reason why the Panthers are so successful, um, you know. And so, look, if let's 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 call it the world's best second rower at the moment, running around, uh, you know, nothing to sneeze at to have that in your side. So Fiji's got that, and then you've got some other players. Kevin Naguama um, is going to be there as well uh, from the Roosters. So he's also setting, uh, you know, I don't know about setting the world on fire, but he is a pretty solid player and has a lot of experience. Um, you know, coming back into that squad is going to be amazing. Mike Sivo is getting some match fitness again from the Eels. Uh, who else? Uh, big names there that have been announced. I'm just going through the squad. I think those are the main Ravalava. ones. Ravalava, that's it. That's the one I miss from Ravalava from the St. George Illawarra Dragons. Look, um, yeah, look, you've got the makings of, uh, mm. look, in terms, they're probably a notch below the Tongans and the Samoans of the world um, in terms of depth across the field, but they certainly do have, uh, you know, enough players with NRL experience, big match experience. And as I said, um You've got someone like Sivo at the back and Kiko up front. Mm. You know, all you need is a couple of, honestly, game breakers, match winners. That's yep. what you need. And you you can never write off a team that has that kind of uh, arsenal <laughs> ready to go. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, your your thoughts on the Fiji Batty team, how they're going to perform, uh, well, you know, leading to the World Cup. Well, look, I think PNG is a great game for them. Like, it is going to be Fiji versus PNG because I believe both these nations are on the same tier. And and what I mean by tier is that, you know, the way I look at it is that Australia, England and New Zealand, they're going to pick their players from the majority of the top teams from the Super League and the NRL. 
Then you have, um, you know, and that's going to be Australia, New Zealand, Tonga, and England. That's that's probably what the making of the top four. Then you have a team like Samoa, which is probably in a bit of a class of its own at the moment, where they are going to be, their whole squad is going to be of NRL regulars, <laughs> right? With a few from a couple of top teams. Then you have PNG and Fiji, which is probably in that uh, just a row below Samoa, where you're talking about a team that will have um, majority of their team is going to be NRL players that play regular NRL. Plus, you're going to have a couple of you know players that are have the potential to play NRL but are playing in lower grades. And this is the other exciting thing which I love watching uh, when I watch Fiji and hopefully when the PNG comes uh, team comes out as well. You're going to have players that are playing locally in Fiji that are going to be part of the squad and potentially even get some game time in this World Cup, which I think is really really positive because you always want to have at least you know one or two players three or four if you can, if you can afford it, in these in these squads, in these lineups, getting to rub shoulders with the NRL uh, stars and actually potentially, uh, you know, helping them break through into the NRL. Um, so, you know, that's what I see. So you you got, like, you know, players from um, Yasawa Island. You've got players from uh, Kinoya, which is near Suva. You know, you've got some Mounties players, some players that are play, playing in Tweed and Parks and, you know, and, uh, yeah, Mounties and so forth. So, you know, all, all these sort of on-the-cusp guys are going to get a fantastic opportunity to to rub shoulders, as I said, with with, with NRL players. And, and I think the camaraderie that gets formed in these squads is what the passion comes down to. And you're right, Dr. T, like, you know, um, you could, you know, you, you could play a whole half of football with just pure passion. <laughs> you know, and uh, an effort. And you've seen, even without the skill in class, you could, you know, it, there's so many areas in rugby league that you could sell at, which is, you know, not really skills-based, but more hard and discipline, you know, like not giving away silly penalties and running back your tan and, you know, putting your shoulders in when you're making a tackle. Like, you know, those are all, I mean, they're not necessarily skill-based um, things. They're more effort-based uh, works, which is, you know, when you're in a squad that you're very passionate about, I, I feel like you'll you'll have that. So, very exciting to see this. Look, I can't wait. Look, PNG, VG, I'll probably, I'm going to be I'm going to be in Campbelltown. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to go to these uh, games uh, for sure on on the Saturday for the double header. I think Samoa's playing uh, uh, the Cook Islands as well, which may not be uh, which I believe Samoa's going to steamroll. But it it there's going to be plenty of an NRL talent on the day, and uh, look, I can't wait for the um, for the for the takeaway food stores that are going to be there as well. <laughs> That's right. It's all about the food trucks, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, I believe that. Yeah. I mean, hopefully, we might see uh, dueling hungies on either ends of the park. You know, so you've got the Fiji style hungy on one end, and then you've got the Samoan side. Maybe we might have four different hungies there, which would be interesting <laughs> that would be very interesting and look uh, this is one occasion where you do want to be there because uh it's 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 not about just watching it on tv you know it's the smell it's the smell of the cooked food <laughs> yeah. that's what you want in fact look we've it, an often neglected uh you know sense in terms of you know we talk about well visually the game looks better but we're forgetting that there's people can smell things and look yep 
Look, smell and football games do not often end well in terms of it's not often a positive experience in terms of smells, um, especially if there's long lines for the, the toilets, etc. But look, mm. maybe we can turn it around. Maybe this is where rugby league takes takes the initiative, uh, for, you know, courtesy of these, these amazing uh, South Pacific Island nations and their fans and their cuisine. Uh, you know, let's get things going uh, in in mm. uh, bit of cookouts and uh, lovors yeah. and things like that. Um, you know, the smell. Can you imagine? You put a lovor and then uh, yeah, in, in the start of reserve grade, and by the time uh, the the final whistle uh, at uh, full time in first grade, you've got you got yourself a nice. Nice uh, pulled pork. Uh, oh, beautiful. I'm, I'm drooling now thinking about yeah. this dish. I don't well, think we should it, talk about it any further. Exactly. Well, in the words of the great Samoan poet, Dwayne Johnson, do you smell what the rock is cooking? And we're talking about the hungry rock. Well, you know what? That's not a bad idea. How about some star power? The rock, Dwayne Johnson... Get over here and promote this game. Let someone send him some videos, please, or YouTube videos of, of rugby league. Uh, you know, he w- didn't he um, try and set up the XFL or something like oh, that? No, no, so, he owns the XFL. And oh, uh, I, w- I was going to bring this up as well in a, in a later tackle, but he, he did actually play junior rugby league for a bit when he lived in Australia in the 70s. Oh, there you go. Well, pause that thought because we will come back to it in, in a few minutes. But before we do, let's go to tackle number three. Here we go. All right. This tackle number three is about the coaching merry-go-round. Um, so in the space of, look, 24 hours, we talked about this last week, we've had two NRL coaches sacked on the same day. Uh, the Michael Maguire, obviously, from the Tigers, and then uh, Nathan Brown from the Warriors lost their jobs on the same day uh, in an eventful uh, day last week. It was the day before Origin, I think, uh, last Tuesday. So, look, we're talking about it now because there's been a bit of movement on that we thought we'd just sort of let Origin die down and let the dust settle, and now we can talk a little bit about what's happening with the coaches in the NRL. We've this is the three coaches now that we've lost, mm. and potentially if the Eels keep going further, we might lose a fourth one. Um, yeah, later. So look, Tish, what are your thoughts about Maguire Brown? Were they the right decisions, and what does the future hold for those uh, teams? Okay, well, look, if we um, – well, one down Nathan Brown first, right? So the situation around Nathan Brown is that, um, you know, obviously Brown, he was committed to being coach for not just this season but next season as well. And when he first signed on with the Warriors, um, you know, he had to migrate to New Zealand to live in New Zealand. Um, but obviously COVID had stopped that happening last year. And um, now, you know – He's taken the decision that his family, I don't believe his family uh, want to live in New Zealand. So it's going to be hard for him to sort of make it out there for next season. So, 
you know, once he heard that news, apparently he was like holding on to it for about three, four weeks. And then he let the Warriors know and then the Warriors decided to move him on. So um, based on a family decision, according to him, um, I believe it's a different story from the Warriors. I think the Warriors were, were talking about how they didn't really believe in the numbers um, of, of what's happening with them so forth. So they decided to, uh, you know, you know they needed to to make things happen. So very disappointing for the Warriors. And yeah, um, uh, you know it's it's a club that's really really struggling, and it's it's COVID's really hit them hard. So so we we do have to think about that. Now Michael Maguire of the West Tigers. Um, yeah, so there was an internal review a couple of weeks ago, and uh, done by Tim Sheens, and then I think the you know basically at the at the end of last year they did believe that Michael Maguire, they wanted to give him um, six months, I think it was. Um, they wanted to give him another chance. And I think just, you know, the first half of this year, the the, the results haven't gone their way. Um, Tim Sheens did say, I did see an interview with him where he did mention that, you know, he did believe that Michael Maguire is a good coach, but he just believes that he's a, he's sort of, um, you know, the role is a square peg, and he's a round peg or something like that, you know? Like, it, it requires a, squ- a round peg, and uh, it's a square hole, and he's a round peg. That's that type of analogy, right? Where it's just not the right coach for the right coaching situation. And, you know, like, if you kind of think about what type of coach Michael Maguire is, I mean, the, the Tigers have talked about them needing a development coach because, you know, their current squad isn't really up to the mark. Um, but they do have a lot of juniors coming and there are lists that you could find online of current top tier NRL talent that started in the West Tigers junior nurseries. And, um, you know, some of the greatest players, uh, you know, Ryan Peppenhausen, uh, for example, never played a game for the West Tigers, but is from the area. Right. So, um, so, 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 the, so they've recognised that the way that their pathway to success is becoming a development club, which is a club that could bring juniors into the NRL and then you know have some really good young talent always playing for the team, and then mixing that in with senior heads, and that's how they're going to be a a finals team, and not just a finals team, a regular finals team. So that's what they're trying to build now. Which I think, if you think about it, head of football Tim Sheens, he's kind of done that for a few different clubs and he was kind of doing it at the Tigers after they sensationally sacked him, (laughs) you know, 10 years ago. So, yeah, so I do see where they're heading, Um, but it all seems like manoeuvring to get one person, which is Cameron Serraldo, which uh, I don't necessarily believe he'll move because I have a bit of news about what's actually happening with the Panthers, which would be very interesting. Um, But the other thing that I need to do, so so before I throw you back up, you know, um, I, I just want to get your thoughts on this because I don't think anybody's talking about this. Um, so, so far, we've had the Bulldogs, the Warriors, and the West Tigers all lose their coach this year. But these three teams are not sitting bottom of the competition. That's actually the Titans. <laughs> so, <laughs> is Holbrook in trouble? Well, um, I would say possibly yes because... Uh, Look, what's what's he actually done? Uh, mm. what, why was he brought in? What did what did they see in him? Uh, and what you know, uh, it's a, just a little bit unusual there. And look, don't forget the Titans actually were the best performing of the Queensland teams last year, I believe. Um, they did. Uh, did they make the finals? I think they did. They 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 just snuck into the finals. So. 
it's whatever's happened to them uh, has completely flown under the radar because of the bigger, higher profile dramas that have been happening at the Tigers and the Bulldogs uh, and to a lesser extent, the Warriors. So I think you're right. I think the Titans, not just for the fact that they're coming last, but the fact that they've just dropped off so much from earlier in the year uh, and, and from late last year, I think uh, questions need to be asked. And just on that, just as an aside, if I may, one of the things that's come out in the media is, uh, you remember we've talked about the Walker brothers and their uh, success coaching, uh, you know, in their innovative coaching style for the Ipswich Jets, uh, mm. where where it actually, you know, yielded some success for them uh, in, I would say, maybe five, six years ago potentially a bit more than that. And 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 I think what I've seen in the media is that they've actually come out, the Walker brothers, and have said, uh, you know, they're, they're willing to uh, to offer themselves and their services to any NRL team. And if, uh, you know, they've, yes, they've got a, a unique style, but it's guaranteed to be successful. Uh, and if they're so confident that they're saying to teams, you know, if you don't believe us, hire us just for one-year contract, and if we don't make the finals for you, you can sack us. So that's they're basically saying, look, performance-based contract, if we don't make the finals, get rid of us. We guarantee that this system works. We believe in it so much. Um, so just a quick reminder, their, their system is about really, it's kind of like quick play the balls. And the idea okay. is just quickly get through, um, quick play the balls, but also quick... Uh, you know, letting letting the other team get up quickly. So it's it's very much not a not a wrestling based approach. It is just about speed of getting through the the six. So there's a lot more to it than that. We won't go into it. But the purpose of me raising it is that if we're talking about the Titans, well, Gold Coast Titans is a an hour away from Ipswich. Uh, you know where the the Walkers bo- brothers have been based for a while. So, look, could potentially the innovation of the Walker Brothers be uh, what the Titans need to get off the bottom of the ladder? I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. Um, you know, certainly that uh, there's they can't do much worse than what they're doing at the moment. Um, but Tish, yeah, look, uh, Maguire gone, Brown gone. There are probably others that need to be looked at as well. Um, I think... Uh, there's still some question marks around who is going to replace who. Um, <clears throat> we've seen Shane Flanagan's name being tossed around, Paul Green. Um, you know, the the question around Seraldo, I don't know what you were talking about earlier, but I honestly, I would think that any NRL team at this point uh, would be well advised to go for a coach that has actually, you know, yielded results and got some results on the board um, mm. rather than, you know, what what does development coach mean? Is that code for we, we are never going to give you a strong roster, <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, so good luck? Is that is that what a development coach means? Because that's, look, the Tigers have enough on their hands with a lack of a mm. true identity you know where where is their home (laughs) we still have that issue how many captains do they have we still have that issue they've got a very strong identity problem and you don't get 
any further along that that journey if you pick someone like uh, Seraldo, who is a an unknown quantity at this level, and that that's all yeah. I'm saying. Tish, uh, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, look, well, well, I believe the future for the Tigers is in Campbelltown, <laughs> right? Uh, because it is a very it's a growing like southwestern Sydney is a growing area. Um, there's there's developments going everywhere. There's new families coming in all the time, and it is being a rugby league heartland, and that's where a lot of their juniors come from. And um, because there's been a bit of neglect, it's the other clubs that have been picking up these players. Like even Manly have got you know um, people you know uh, from the Campbelltown competition. Um, you know they've got players from the Campbelltown competition playing in you know, junior levels in their clubs in Manly. <laughs> so so it, they've always – and then so it's been an area of neglect because I think they've focused too much on the Inner West Corridor, which I think there is obviously some talent there, but I think you're going to get more of a yield. So I think that's where the future is. Now, the problem is, though, the Tigers have a poor record at Campbelltown Stadium. Um, you know, we had Brent Naden sent off on uh, the, the game. He was the first player in 20 years for the West Tigers to be sent off. Um, the other players have been John Hopawati and and, and uh, Corey Pearson. They're all sent off at Campbelltown. So I don't know if it brings out the best of the West Tigers playing out at Campbelltown at the moment. So, so they do need to turn that into more of a home ground. Um, and... And there's like there is work like that. So I think when they talk about development player, they're talking about a development player. They're talking about somebody who could take a a rising star, like you know, he's good at sort of taking rising stars and turning them into NRL stars, which has been the hallmark of uh, Cameron Seraldo um, at the Panthers, which is why he is a hot, uh, you know. Uh, option. He his name is linked with every club at the moment because of that, and because of the success the Panthers have had with bringing up junior players and the success that they've had with attack and defense, which is all attributed to Seraldo. So that's where, and I think the Bulldogs and the Tigers are, are trying to position themselves for him. Um, but I kind of agree with you. I don't think he's the right choice. Um, firstly, um, so I don't know. If this has been talked about but i don't know if you know this or not dr t but you know ivan cleary has actually missed the last three games for penrith because of uh an illness and i I believe he's got some sort of medical condition at the moment where he's got clots uh blood clots up his leg so he's not in a good way health wise i think he will need a lot of recovery so i think head coach of the penrith panthers for the last three weeks has been serraldo anyway and i just wonder with the health problems that Cleary has, maybe the stress of NRL coaching may not necessarily be a long-term solution for Cleary. And he might have to quit the job at the Panthers, which would open it up for Seraldo, right? <laughs> um, so I kind of feel that he's got more of a reason to wait um, than to actually sign up for a new NRL club. I think for the Tigers, uh, I don't know about the Walker brothers. I think that's an interesting move but I don't know if it's a long-term move. I'd probably go for Shane Flanagan. I think I really rate Shane Flanagan. I think he's a really good coach. I think he can do the development part as well. Um, I think he's the best option out there. I, I'm not uh, that much of a uh, of a believer in Paul Green as much um, as what I am with Shane Flanagan. Um, and then, yeah, look, as far as who the Bulldogs look for, well, the thing is Mick Potter... <laughs> He's done a masterstroke, right? So 
I, I don't know. I, and look, Kamali, he's, he's had one. Uh, you know, he he looked he looked like a coach with the the suit on. Um, he looked he looked ten years older after the first half, though. So uh, don't know how long. I don't know if if coaching is for is for him as well. But but yeah, it's going to be very interesting now to the end of the season because I think I think both these all three of these teams have not <laughs> have not uh, have pretty much written off the season now, haven't they? Um, so yeah, it's I mean, just going to be. There's, there's a chance to turn it around. I think mathematically, most teams can still make it. So mm. I think, yeah, I think you're right. And I look, I I, I wasn't aware. Uh, I was aware that uh, Cleary missed a game, but I wasn't sure that what the reason was for it. But it, yeah, um, I I still think there's a big difference between a caretaker coach, an assistant coach, and a head coach of the NRL yeah. where everything is all down to your decisions. So yeah. that to that extent, I don't know what Serraldo can do in that yeah. position. But, you know, everyone has to start somewhere. So yeah. I'm not against him having a go at a team that's a bit desperate for someone who's yeah. uh, who's got – and I think you're right. It would make sense. It's a fit. It's close. Uh, west Western Sydney, southwestern Sydney, it's close enough. Um, you know, it's just a little bit further drive away. Uh, if he was to move to the Tigers, and, mm. and yeah, it, it can be a, in a rebuilding so, sort of phase. And I think, I think back to the point about you know the coaches also. There's there's a couple of things. There, there's coaches that are fit for the the journey where that team is at that moment in time and what they plan to do. So you know uh, the Maguires of the world have had success. With teams that have already been, uh, you know, developed, had, <laughs> been developed, and have have, um, you know, not, not it's not really the same as just bringing an all star team and just getting them to to the win and mm. to that next level. It's not just about that. It's about harnessing pretty strong squads and yeah. and getting the job done. Which is a, a you know, it's the five percent job that it's the reason why the the big coaches get paid what they do. It's not easy. Um, equally, it's not easy to to take a team of ragtag people and get them some level of success. And this is where I think people, coaches of the likes of Brian Smith, historically, people will look at, well, he he didn't win a grand final, but look at the teams that he brought to grand finals with, you know, he got them so close and mm. they had no business being in a grand final if you looked at them on paper. And so I think that's... You know, there's a place for <coughs> there's a place for um, excuse me, uh, coaches like that. So, you know, maybe Serrado is going to play that role for the Tigers. Yeah, who right. knows? But uh, I, I think uh, more to see for definitely on the coaching merry-go-round. It's just going to get faster and faster. Absolutely. All right. So let's move on to tackle number four. Here we go. Uh, inspirational music there for an inspirational tackle. We're talking about Peter Volandis making significant steps for the first NRL game in America. Um, we have had a State of Origin game in 1987, let's not forget, but we have not had an NRL game uh, there, and, and uh, there is an opportunity potentially 
for the NRL to take a game there to the US and and see how we see how that plays out, expand the game, uh, maybe even get the Rock to come in and and uh, give one of those inspirational, you know, like pre Super Bowl speeches in the middle of the field like he did this year. But Tish, what's the news out of what's Peter Volander's got up his sleeve? Well, what Peter Volander's has is a plane ticket. That is right. He is um, heading out to the United States of America, the ARL chairman, Peter Volandes, uh, to have some crucial talks in America in person about uh, having an NRL game in 2023, a regular season game in the Bank of California Stadium, a 25,000-seat stadium in L.A., um, so I believe he's meeting with the, uh, I think it's called Stadia, uh, which is the company that sort of um, heads that off. It is either round one or round two. I think the clash is likely to be the South Sydney Rabbitohs and the Manly Sea Eagles. Um, part of the reason why those two teams are going to be selected for this game is obviously Russell Crowe's uh, affiliation with the Rabbitohs and Wolverine, uh, a.k.a. Um, Hugh Jackman uh, for, you know, for the Manly Seagulls, who's a big Manly Seagulls supporter. Um, obviously in LA, you know, the, the home of the stars, it's going to take place February, March, which is, you know, usually the start of the NRL season, round one or two. Um, I believe one of the teams will get a buy. If it's round two, I believe one of the teams will get a buy in round one. And then the other team will get a, uh, uh, you know, a buy in round three. And they'll sort of, um, so that way that, you know, both teams can have that sort of, uh, time to sort of prepare and come back and everything that's there. Um, yeah, and I mentioned it before, um, you know, The Rock, who actually owns the rights to the XFL, um, you know, he reportedly, uh, when his dad was, yeah, when he was a young kid, he did sort of move around with his dad, who was a uh, professional uh, wrestler. Uh, so, you know, they, you know, he sort of spent some time in Sydney, spent some time in Melbourne and in New Zealand. And I've do believe he played for a rugby team in New Zealand and maybe a league team in Australia. But, um, you know, his cousin, uh, Totola Vivi, uh, you know, has played, you know, 21, well, 31 games for the, uh, in the NRL for the Rabbitohs and the Panthers. He's currently playing for Toulouse over in Paris. Um, so, well, Toulouse in France, I don't know. Yeah, Paris, France, the whole thing. <laughs> Toulouse in France, yeah. Toulouse, Toulouse in France. Toulouse. Yeah. yeah. So the thing is, I mean, what I'd do is I would I would sign that guy up, have him there, because then bring down his cousin, The Rock, um, you know, potentially, you know, I mean, The Rock's looking for a TV rights deal for the XFL and go, hey, look, you know, uh, why don't you uh, brand uh, Rugby League as the XFL and just, um, you know, uh, call it the XFL in America and have, um, have the NRL feature for it and get some TV rights for us. I, I think I think if they could work something like that out, I think that would make the most sense because, you know, it, it's going to take a while for the Amer- Americans to quite get their heads around rugby league a little bit. But I think, I don't think it will take as long as what we, as people might think. But if you've got some star endorsements, if you've got some, if you've got some sort of brand identity against it, um, some sort of, you know, superstars, um, some players and teams to back for, I think, it could work 
And I think the other thing that I like about the Seagulls and Rabbitohs is that I can't think of an NFL team that has a Seagull or a Rabbitoh as its identity. So I think that also helps as well. Better than sort of picking the Dolphins and like, you know, um, you know, the Broncos. Broncos, Broncos, yeah, exactly, yeah. Or the Raiders or something like that. So, yeah, your thoughts on uh, the USA. Should we be... Uh, fishing where there are no fish or trying to fish where there are fish, Dr. T? <laughs> I think we need to start uh, growing the the fishery, <laughs> the fish farm, uh, whatever it is. I think, look, it's about growth. It's about expansion and awareness. Look, yes, it's uh, we've talked about this before. It's opportunistic because of the Russell Crowe, Hugh Jackman kind of uh, links and and that's uh, that's nothing to be ashamed about. I think it's it's just about using the opportunity to kind of leverage the star power that we've got at the moment. It's not every, you know, these are both well respected actors. Uh, everyone knows who they are, um, and you know, over there they'll they'll be able to drum up some support, which will be great. Um, the best thing we could do is to get a full stadium there of fans hopefully not all expats hopefully some of them are actual locals who come to see the game for the first time hopefully we'll get a lot of you know interest in from the media um and and that way it's not just about filling the stadium it's about showing people you know making deals making connections post that game for you know to to build on the sport uh the sports influence and reach over there so i think you know if you look at it as an opportunity to to kind of uh get some awareness about the game with the right kind of star power and then also capitalize on it that's the thing that i think we need to do i think when they went there in 87 for the origin that extra origin game it's just it was out of the blue and it wasn't it wasn't backed up with anything so it's it's kind of like you know it's a bit like holding the olympics somewhere where there's no intention to for that that the game to grow there and you just leave a bunch of white elephant stadiums that never get used and a trail of destruction, <laughs> you know, like this is, we don't want that. And I don't think that's what's going to happen. So I think as a starting point, yeah, let's take the opportunistic route and uh, get it done. And then maybe in future we'll, if there's some success there, if there's a need to, for the NRL to bolster the, the, the U S game uh, and, and get some more, um, interest there with what they're doing maybe we could have other games there other teams uh you know uh introduced other teams that that uh you know star started teams or uh, players with known links there uh who knows so there's a lot you can do um and look whichever way you look at it, i think this is a good thing so well done peter volandis you know go in there gonna make some deals hopefully it's not just about having a tour of the stadium making sure that there's a uh, there's enough uh, meat pies available, that kind of thing. Hopefully, it's more just about doing the business of uh, in the background, getting the deals, doing the handshakes, and and making sure that it will that something will come of this game. That's the real important thing, I think. Um, so hopefully, Peter Volandis knows what he's doing. We're obviously not being told everything, but enough to know that uh, if he can make some deals, uh, let's see what happens. So. So, yeah, uh, well done, NRL. Uh, finally, it's happening. <laughs> that will be very exciting. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about this for many, many years, so really excited about it. And speaking of exciting, 
something else that we're going to announce uh, or that has been announced today is the topic of tackle number five. Here we go. So the latest news is that the NRLW competition is going to be expanded over the next few seasons. Um, The ARL Commission has approved the expansion of the NRL Telstra Women's Premiership and Ampol Women's State of Origin, as well as the introduction of a salary cap system which will increase average salaries by 28%. Um, so the news is that we're getting, uh, in 2022, we've got six teams in the NRLW. It will be expanded in 2023 to eight teams. And then in 2024, there will be 10 teams. So that's a big deal. (laughs) Two new teams every year for the next couple of years. Um, and they're going to, uh, the commission will determine, Though which of the new licenses are going to be uh, announced by July this year. Um, and, uh, however, I believe that there's been some talk already about what clubs are going to be, but I'm not sure if it's officially been announced or just the announcement of, of the expansion. Um, so, yeah, uh, what do you think, Tish, about the NRLW expanding so rapidly? You know, four teams in two years. Is this a smart move? I mean, we saw, you know, the AOL did this in two, uh, in 1995, um, just prior to the uh, the Super League war starting. Uh, four new teams were added to, to bring the, the AOL to 20 teams, the biggest expansion ever of the game at that level. Um, we're seeing something similar here with the NRLW. Um, where we've got six now. We will have 10 in two years' time. Tish, is this the right move? Yeah, well, look, I think uh, it is actually because I think unlike the men's, well, the men's game also needs um, needs expansion, but you know, obviously, we have a bit of a player shortage, uh, which we're going to see next year with the Dolphins, I think. But with uh, you know, with the um, NRLW, I think there, I think the, the the competition can expand. Um, so I think we're moving, as you said, to eight and then to ten. I'm not 100 percent sure if we should expand too much quicker up past ten, because I think that's probably when we'll need to be stretching out. But we're seeing participation go up. We're seeing more and more um, girls playing uh, sort of younger as well as playing older. And now, you know, I think it is the right time. And to expand the game, you just need to have more teams, more franchises going. And, you know, it's it's kind of exciting to see that. Uh, and we've already started to see how this is affecting the males competition as well. Um, you know, sensationally this year, um, you know, Millie Boyle, um, you know, signing for the Newcastle NRLW team while her boyfriend, Adam Elliott, was playing for Canberra and just a few weeks later, Adam Elliott signs for Newcastle for next year to be with his girlfriend. So, you know, not only do you get more and more women playing, but Dr. T, we've got an NRL love soap opera happening as well which is also going to be great for the sport. <laughs> Look, if Peter Volandis knows what he's doing, he will turn this into a reality TV show. Mm. 
keeping up with the the Millie the Millie Millie Boils. No, okay, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> there's look, there's a uh, yeah. Look, eventually that's going to happen, isn't it? I mean, when you've got uh, you know that kind of um, situation, play both uh, you know both partners playing at the highest level. You're going to have some issues if there's long distance relationships. That's going to be hard to work. So you know, it makes sense. I think that they they found a way to play together in the same area, so they can build a life together. But you know, the fickle nature of the game, and uh, and and uh, the contracts, etc., makes it very very difficult. I think for that to be sustainable so we'll see what happens but good luck to them i mean that's uh you know you love to you know you like to hear a love story don't you in that mm. when it comes to rugby league uh as opposed to all the negative stuff that we hear it's a, it's a mm. positive so that's a good thing um all right well we need to move on to the final tackle which is the tips so here we go with the tips Some funky music there for the tips. <laughs> yeah, that's a really awesome way to finish off the episode. But look, let's look at the tips. And last week we obviously had uh, we had we we're including the tips for the origin as well, which we didn't really get anyway, so it doesn't really matter. But um, well, I got seven out of uh, nine. Uh, now, obviously, the the uh, the Bulldogs were the one that, that goes up me. Uh, and you, unfortunately, didn't do so well. You got four out of nine. So um, that means that I am now on 80 points for the season and you are on 79. So, look, I, I've caught up and I've overtaken you for a little bit, but not for long, probably. Mm. Um, and um, <clears throat> so round 15 we're at. Um, Starting uh, starting tomorrow, the 16th of June, Thursday night game, the Dragons and the Rabbitohs. And I think, look, in my mind, I think the Rabbitohs, uh, look, the Dragons, I don't know what they're doing, but there's a lot of uh, negativity happening on social media. With Zach Lomax, there's, there's a lot of memes about his terrible passes and then berating of his teammates who, who are unable to catch his wayward passes. Um, there's something going on at the Dragons and it's not really good at the moment. Um, so we'll see what happens. But look, I think the Rabbitohs are going to win this one. What about you, Tish? Yeah. I think the Rabbitohs too. I think the Dragons are sort of in trouble as well. So, um, yeah. So, so yeah, I think the Rabbitohs for mine. All right. Uh, Manly versus the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Cowboys uh, in this one as well. I think that they're they're playing really good football. Um, you know, this uh, I think they've got the best second half defense, and, and I think Manly, um, yeah, just will pull up a little short. Yeah, and same for me. I think the Cowboys will win this one quite easily. Um, Storm versus Broncos. Now, normally I would say this is going to be a, an easy one for the Storm, but something tells me the Broncos have got something up their sleeve. But I'm going to tip an upset, the Broncos. Yeah, look, I'm going to stick with Melbourne, but I think this is going to be a great game. It's going to be really close. Um, I'm just giving it to Melbourne just on a home field advantage, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Broncos get on top as well. Yeah, and that's a that's at Amy Park. I should have mentioned. It's also the Friday night TV game uh, for on free to air. 
Um, moving on, Sharks versus Titans. Um, look, I think the Sharks have shown that um, they, uh, they, they again, they're sneaking under the radar. As I said all along, they're, they, they're doing this. So, Sharks for mine. Yeah, look, I think, yeah, the Sharks. The sharks. I don't I don't know if you could pick the Titans uh, for, for a win anytime soon. And look, inspired by the Bulldogs, do you think the Warriors have what it takes to upset the Penrith Panthers? My answer is no. <laughs> My answer as well is no. Um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, Warriors' woes continue. All right. The Eels versus the Roosters. It will be a uh, Saturday evening game at Combank Stadium. So at nice one at home. They generally perform well at home, <laughs> the Eels, but it's hard to tell. Uh, I I don't know where to go here because I think I want the Eels to win, but uh, I don't think, I think, you know, the betting is probably going to go towards the Roosters and quite rightly. But you know what? I will tip the Eels because I think, I think that what happened will give them maybe a little bit of a scare and a wake-up call uh, that they need. And I think the Roosters are close enough to them in talent that I think uh, it will be a good game, but I think uh, the Eels will win this one. Yeah, I believe Kiri is going to be out for this game. So I'm going to tip the Eels on the basis of that. And I just think that their poor performance from last week, they've got some origin contention players. So they need, need to perform. Yeah. All right, Raiders versus the Knights. Uh, this is a an afternoon game, Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. Uh, at Geo Stadium in Canberra. Uh, Raiders, I think, will be too strong. I think the Knights, look, they're a bit up and down. It's hard to tell. You know, mm. most teams are getting flogged by the Panthers, so that's not really a good indicator of how they're going. Um, but I just get the feeling that the Raiders, they're just sort of a notch ahead of them at the moment. Yeah, the Raiders have been playing well. I'm going to tip an upset, though. I think the Knights are due for a big one. Um, I don't think they're as bad as what people say they are. Um, but I think they do. I think they believe that they could make it to the top eight. So they're going to need to start their run. And this is the perfect place to do it. All right. And finally, the final game of the weekend, the Bulldogs versus the Tigers. The Sunday afternoon game yep. uh, will be live on uh, free-to-air TV. <clears throat> um, I don't know what to say here. I, I think, look, <laughs> the Cameron uh, Serraldo Cup. The ca- can we oh, can we can we have his contract? Um, and and the winner gets the the contract. What do you say? <laughs> maybe, maybe. <laughs> look, no, no. I think, look, like to be fair, I think he's more likely to be a Tigers on the Tigers list than uh, on the Bulldogs list. But I think, look, this will be an interesting one because. You know, Mick Potter, everyone's saying, what a genius. Um, you know, <laughs> as we saw with the Socceroos, though, all it takes is, uh, you know, uh, a missed penalty and the goalkeeper that's dancing like a lunatic, the grey wiggle, yep. as they call him, will, won't be seen as a genius. He'll be seen as a lunatic. So, Mick Potter, are you able to back it up this weekend against the Tigers? If you are, then you have truly turned around the Bulldogs from where they were because... Uh, you know, they they have just been a shambles all year. Um, I don't think he will, though. <laughs> I think the Tigers, 
I think the Tigers have quite a bit to play for, and I think uh, you know they're probably the dust has to be has to have settled a little bit from the Maguire um, sackings. Uh, so I think I think they will take it uh, the next step and and settle back into a rhythm, um, and and I think they'll take out this one. What about you, Tish? Well, look, I think good news in in that um, both coaches' jobs are safe. Um, because, <laughs> because they're both gone, right? So, uh, and I think both of the caretakers are in. So this is this is basically the caretakers' cup right here. Um, <laughs> you know, so look, I'm going to tip the Tigers uh, as a Tiger supporter. I think um, they've picked. Look, Adam Dewey's coming back. It's his comeback game. Um, so you know, obviously he's starting off the bench. It's going to be interesting when he uh, jumps onto the field how he goes, and to see if there's a combination with him and Hastings, um, which might be quite exciting to watch as well. So I think there's a bit like that. I think the Bulldogs played f- phenomenal. Um, they had the free-spirited attack, which is really – which was – you know, it, it was – when you were watching that game, you you they played really well as well. So uh, I am a bit nervous about this one, but I think the Tigers – um, like it's a must-win for them if they're going to not finish last. So um, that they, they need to take this one out, and I think that will be enough to to motivate them to give them a, an eighty-minute performance. That's right. Look, uh, and that's it. That ends this uh, episode of the podcast. Don't forget, everyone, uh, if you want to send us your feedback, ourrepublic at gmail.com. Check out our website, ourrepublic.com, for all of our episodes, uh, all of them from the very beginning, in fact. Uh, so you can stream them there and have a look uh, around. Uh, and don't forget, uh, we'll uh, send, uh, we'll, we'll let you know on Facebook and Twitter and, and other places. Uh, check us out uh, there, but please uh, get in touch with us if you have any ideas on what you want to hear or any any feedback for us. That will be very much appreciated. Hopefully, you've enjoyed this episode. Tish, I've enjoyed it immensely. Lots to talk about this week in the world of rugby league. Lots of positives, which is really good, although there were plenty of negatives, but we've decided not to talk about them, of course, <laughs> which is good. And look, best wishes to Benji Marshall, uh, Tish, or maybe I should have left that for you to, to say. Yeah. Do you want to give your best wishes to Benji Marshall? Yeah, all the best, Benji, for the Celebrity Apprentice. It's probably already happened, so uh, <laughs> we don't know. But uh, we'll give you guys a report next week on how we went. But but thank you, Dr. T, for an amazing episode. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. But that's all the time that we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Bye for now. <laughs>